We are officially uh, growing in our worship band. Thank you, Lewis. Lewis is taking the music to another level. That's always exciting. My name is Gio Garces. I am happy to see everyone's faces. Thanks for coming. Today is my second part of my three-part series called Mythbusters. Now, if you remember the first time I did this, I asked everyone to put on their childlike hearts. Because okay. you, you need a real childlike heart to be humble like Jesus said, like the children, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Right. So this is part two. If you remember the first one, I talked about myths of Jesus. And one of the profound myths that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law made a mistake is they bought into the myth that Jesus was not from Bethlehem. He was from Nazareth, Galilee, and no prophet was to come out of Galilee. And so no matter how many miracles he did, no matter how many things people he healed, no matter how much he spoke about God with authority, it didn't matter to them because he was from Galilee. And lo and behold, he wasn't because he was born in Bethlehem. And that was a myth. And so we busted it. So my second myth today in the part Mythbusters is God is a cosmic cop. He only shows up when you've done something wrong. Woo! He only cares about when you break his rule. That's the only thing he cares about. He doesn't care about a relationship with you. He just cares if you followed his rules. That's all he cares about. And when you make a big boo-boo, he shows up in one of these. Rip a spiritual, a spiritual car. He drives around the galaxies waiting. And when you sin, he pulls up and says, hey, what are you doing? Stop doing that. This is the way to do it. And we say in the team ministry, we say rip. Right. Or game over. When God shows up, it's game over. He's a cop. That's all he cares about is his rules. You can do this. You can do that. But you can't do this. You can't do that. And there's no relationship. It's all just a, it's a God up there who sits in his throne. And all he cares about is whether you're following his decrees or not. That is a myth that's prevalent, not just in kids, but also in adults, I might say. That God is just this cop. He's up there. And the, the, the difficult part of myths and legends is that some of them make sense. Because some of them are embedded in truth to a point. And it's even worse when someone repeats the myth and is confident about it and says it with conviction. It, per it perpetuates this myth. Yeah. But we all know that myth and legends don't have all of the facts. Right. That's why they're myths and that's why they're legends. So this is why you and I, we got to look into this. We got to look into this relationship that, that God is saying, hey, I, I'm not a cop, but, but someone's calling him a cop. Someone is saying that God is a cosmic cop. Who would do such a thing? Who would, who would pervert God? Who would, who would attempt a coup of God in heaven to distort the message? There is an adversary that God has. And his name, it, it's pronounced Satan in Hebrew when we say Satan. That's actually not his name. That's just a noun. It's not a proper noun. That means... He's just Satan, which means he is a one who is an adversary, one who's adversarial, 
We really don't know his name. There's speculation he might have a name. But the Bible doesn't actually give him a name. It gives him, it's more of a noun structure that he is attempting a coup. He is now importing and doing his own will in heaven. He is disobeying God and says, I got a better idea. I know what I, in fact, he may not even like God's plan. Because there's some reason that he rebels against God and he, and he starts to interact and manipulate the human beings that God created. So I can only deduce that he didn't like God's plan. His, he thought that he had a better plan. And so the Bible gives us a little bit of insight into what this adversary, this Satan is like. In, in 1 Timothy 3, it's a passage about when, you, when the church appoints elders. It says, hey, be careful that you don't appoint an elder who just recently became a Christian. Because he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the New Testament word for Satan, devil. He says, don't do that. And what was the devil's sin? What was Satan's sin? He was conceited. So in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, so, and I have to warn you, this could get a little creepy. And it could scare you because it scared me. When I, when I read these few passages, I thought to myself, that's actually kind of scary. In Ezekiel, the prophet writes out an oracle against one of the rulers of a country called Tyre. He's an arrogant guy. But embedded in that oracle, there's several allusions to a story that we are all familiar with. Let's look at that passage. Here's the oracle. You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. And you were anointed as guardian sheriff. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. If you know your Bible and you know the Garden of Eden, Satan was was a spiritual being and his job function was to guard guard the Garden of God. That was his job. And instead of guarding the Garden, as we all know, he shows up at the tree of good and evil and he entices Eve to disobey God. And at some moment there in the divine story, he rebels against the will of God and he starts to manipulate and he starts to deceive and he starts to destroy man's relationship with God because he was arrogant in his wisdom. He was so good. And then in the book of Isaiah, another uh, king was really arrogant and prideful and it's the same kind of you know, admonishment to him, but it also has a spiritual cosmic parallel, which says, and this is what the king said about himself, and this is what the insight is about the, 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 the adversary, Satan. I will ascend to the heavens, and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in throne on the Mount of Assembly, and on the utmost heights of Mount Safan. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. There was a coup. There was a rebellion. God's divine spiritual beings, some of them did not want to no longer follow the will of God. 
And so they manipulate. And they, they come and they, he gets cast out of heaven and he gets sent to earth and he gets sent to Hades. And this becomes the adversary. Not just of God, but of you and me because we are the offspring. We are the seeds of the Most High. And so now there's, not only is he not, he's in adversarial role with God, he's also in that role against us. And so Satan creates these myths. He creates these doubts. He creates things that make you say, no, no, God has to be a cop. He's all about the rules. Did God really say? He wants us to think of God in a different way than God wants us to think about him. And so, this is what he looks like on the inside. Because that's not what he looks like on the outside. Okay, this is the inside sinister dark picture I could find on the inside. Now, Mike, he does not look like that. In fact, I don't know what he looks like. But the Bible does tell us he was beautiful. He was magnificent. He was, his splendor was so amazing. That's what we know about him. But here's what we know about him too. He's got names, not just Satan, but he's also called a thief. He steals. He'll steal your salvation if you let him. He'll steal your joy if you let him. He'll steal your security and your confidence if you let him. He wants to steal it. He's also a lion because he loves to devour. He loves to eat. He loves to devour you spiritually. And he absolutely hates your guts. He hates you. He can't stand you. He wants to destroy you. He's on earth now. The Bible says in 1 John that he is the ruler of this earth. He's, this is his domain. And so while he's here and while he's in charge, he wants to destroy you. He hates you. He hates what you stand for. He hates that you became a Christian. He hates that you worship Yahweh. He hates it. And his job now is to deceive you and fool you and trick you and steal from you. Because he's an angelic being. He looks more like this. Beautiful. Magnificent. Awesome. You know, when I see a beautiful person, I think they're always good. You know, when I, when I go visit, like, he's, if he's got a nice car and got nice clothes on, he's a good person. That's just how shallow I am. I'm just a shallow guy. Oh, he's a good guy. You see, you see a guy with the, with the scruffy hair and hasn't shaved in weeks and his clothes are all, you know, not properly kept. I'm going, that guy's dangerous. That guy's dangerous. That guy's dangerous. Watch out. Car alarm, make sure it's on. But if I see a guy who's dressed nice, looks nice, proper, speaks proper, hello, polite, thank you, I think he's the greatest guy in the world. How many of us have not thought about our adversary correctly? Sometimes you might put the most amazing people that look amazing in your life, but they look different on the inside. I'm just so shallow that I do that. This is my shallow nature. If you look right, you must be right. But that's not always the truth. So, this beautiful angel is a thief. This beautiful cherub or guardian is a lion. This beautiful person, creation, divine being, spiritual being, hates your guts. Wow. But he's so pretty. <laughs> So handsome, hates your guts. 
He doesn't care how much fun you have. He doesn't care how much you lie at work. He doesn't care how much you curse. He doesn't care how much you drink. He doesn't care how much you smoke. He doesn't care how much you yell at your kids or yell at your wife or yell at your husband. He doesn't care how bitter you are. He just doesn't care what you do. That's why it's so attractive to want to be like him. There's no rules. You have ultimate freedom. You can do what you want. You can be your own king. You can be like the most high. Isn't that what we all want in our own little weird way? We want to be in charge of everything. If it's a game, I'm in charge. If it's a group, I'm in charge. If it's a church, I'm in charge. Oops, Gio, I did that once. Right? Isn't it our nature that we're in charge? We want to be like the most high in a human way. I don't want to be that high, just high enough above the humans that I lead. It's in our nature. And he knows that's in our nature. That's why the one thing that we all struggle with is our pride. Our pride flares up when someone points something out. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm offended. Maybe you're in the category as easily offended. You're easily prideful. Easily prideful. And there are some of you in that category sitting here today. If I say something, I'm offended. And Joe and I have to come on our topper. He's ministering. Because we're so easily offended. No, we're just easily prideful. It's in, the, it's in the nature. And that's why he likes to prowl around. He prowls around because he doesn't care what you're doing. He's just prowling around because he's going to devour. He doesn't care who your friends are. He doesn't care if you've chosen terrible friends. He just doesn't care. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. There was an American couple that wanted to visit the Holy Land. And they were so excited. They spent thousands of dollars. They're going to fly there. They're going to get a tour guide. And they're going to see the countryside. They're a church-going family. They're so excited. They get there. And their tour guide says, hey, part of your tour is I'm going to show you the countryside of Israel. And you will see, unlike your country, where your shepherds drive the sheep from behind, you'll notice that our shepherds lead from the front. And the sheep follow because the sheep knows his voice. The sheep trust the shepherd. And you will see in this country how shepherds truly shepherd the sheep. And so they go, this is amazing. We got to check this out. Take us. And so they're driving the next day on the road. And lo and behold, the shepherd, with a look of astonishment, sees a man from behind driving the sheep. He's driving them. And he pulls over to the guy, comes up in his car, says, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, fellow Israelite. Excuse me. It is on my impression that in our country, the shepherds lead from the front. We don't drive from the back. We lead from the front. And the sheep follow because they trust the shepherd. They know the shepherd's voice. And the man says, yes, that is very true. The shepherds of Israel lead from the front. And the sheep know his voice. And the sheep trust him. But I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. <laughs> comes to steal. He comes to kill your faith. 
He comes to steal your joy. This is who he is. This is what he does. God is not a cop. God is a shepherd. He's a shepherd who cares about the sheep. Shepherds care. Cops don't care, really. It's a cosmic cop, they show up, write a ticket and leave. There was no hug. No, better next time. It's nothing like that. My interaction with cops is, is very sterile. It's very, it's very diplomatic. So I want to talk to the men. And I want to address the men in this room. I want you to embrace the concept of being a shepherd. Because that's who the Lord is. He's a shepherd. He's a shepherd that he wants others to have life and life to the full. That's what shepherds are like. They care. The, the, The shepherds care so much, they'll lay their life down for the sheep. You know, in Thailand, there were about 12 kids who got trapped in a cave. It was the international news. 12 kids and a soccer coach. In Thailand, apparently, they have to go walking two and a half miles into limestone caverns. I don't know why, but that's just what they do on a Sunday afternoon after soccer games. And they go in there, and they're way in there, way in there. And then it rains, and you know, Thailand, it always rains off and on, and it floods part of the caverns, and the kids can't get out. And the reason why they can't get out is because they can't swim. None of them can. So they're missing. So they start looking, hey, where the kids go? They're in the cavern. And so they send in these divers to go in there, and they find the kids. This is, this is a little bit of a picture of the entrance. It's a very small picture, but I'm just trying to give you an idea. Two and a half miles in, the diver uh, submerges, emerges there, and he finds the kids and takes his picture. And they're on this mound. And they're hungry. And they're tired. And they're scared. And they can't swim. And here it is. And there was this Thai Navy SEAL, they call them. Not an American Navy SEAL, but a Thailand Navy SEAL. He's retired. He just retired. He got out of the military. He goes, I want back in. I want to be part of the mission. I want to go in. So they let him go in and he begins the staging area, which is to put oxygen tanks throughout the cabins. So when the, when the other divers go in, they'll have oxygen resources because it's a long way to travel. And they go in and it's pretty dark and it's pretty scary. And remember, these kids can't swim. In fact, they have to sedate these kids to take, to take them out. So, the diver that volunteered to go in, as he, as he finished his mission, on his way out, he runs out of oxygen and dies. Because the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what shepherds do. It's my honor to tell you his story. It's my great honor to tell you. I don't know him, but the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And as men, that is what we are called to be like. We lay our lives down because shepherds care. They care deeply. Satan doesn't care what you do with your life. He doesn't care that you've chosen the wrong friends. Good. The shepherd cares. He cares about your relationships. Satan doesn't care if you're in conflict with someone. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care if you'll never get resolved. I don't care. Shepherds care. Shepherds want you to have good relationships. That's what shepherds are about. Satan doesn't care about all your relationships. 
Satan doesn't care how much social media you're on. You can be on social media 20 hours a day. He doesn't care what you're watching, who you're following. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that some of your posts divide the church because you want everyone to believe your politics. He doesn't care. Post some more. Come on, bring on the rage of America. He doesn't care. Keep doing it. Shepherds care. Shepherds care about the unity of the church. He doesn't care at all. He doesn't care that you're fake. He doesn't care that you're, you're, you're one way at church, another way at work, another way at school, another way with your friend's house, another way with your spiritual friend's house. He doesn't care. He doesn't care how fake you are. Right. The shepherds care. But Satan doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. Just the fact that you can do whatever you want is kind of intoxicating sometimes. Yeah. You know that power? I can do whatever I want. <laughs> it's like a drug for some people. I can do what I want. and No one cares. Satan doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. A shepherd will care because he loves you. He doesn't care if you're lonely. Good. Good. He has no empathy whether you're alone or not. He does not care if you're all by yourself, if you're isolated, if you're feeling left out, if you're feeling not included. He doesn't care. The shepherds care. They'll go and lay their life down. You see the difference? You see the myth? Yeah. You see the rebellion? He wants you to think something else about God because he does not want you to have a relationship with God because that's the end goal. That's the end game is that you will be with God one day. He wants you to be with him because he wants to be like the most high. And the fact that we're sinners. Shepherds know that we're all sinners, but shepherds care. Satan just doesn't care. It doesn't bother him. You won't offend him. You won't upset him. With your lifestyle. You just, you just won't. Shepherds will care. Mm -hmm. This is the spiritual war. This is how God describes, or how God is described by, by David in a relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. That's what a shepherd does. He refreshes. God leads us to green pastures. And we lack nothing. We're fully secure. We're fully content. We're fully satisfied. I lack nothing. God is the good shepherd. The question is, is God a cop? Are you sure? He's not a cop. So this myth that God is a cosmic cop, that he rolls around the universe in his car, He rides around clinically, you're wrong, fix that, and moves away. 
he's not a cosmic cop, then it's safe to say this myth has been busted. Amen? Thank you for your time. If you can stand up with me. Let's go arm in arm. We'll say a prayer together. I'm going to close out.